The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hats and Minded. The Dynamic Duo is back. Anton Rasegård, thank you for for being here once more. And today it's 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 a great episode because we got a heavyweight championship going on between uh, two Nordic fighters in the red corner. Jesperi Kotkaniemi weighing in at 88 kilos, and in the blue corner, Robert Hegg of Philadelphia Flyers weighing in at. 93 kilos. It's Sweden against Finland in a classic. Robert Hegg disgraced Sweden. He really did. Uh, he actually lost his citizenship. Yeah, he did. Now we, we're shipping him off to Finland. It, the, the whole fight in itself was, 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 bril- was, I shouldn't say brilliant, but it was, it was something that I think was needed. And, and it was really not the fighter you thought would, would step up to take it. But Paling was down and, and Jesper Kotkaniemi took that fight to Hegg. Let, let's remember this in the Broad Street Bully's home. It's, it's fantastic in that regard. And then he knocked him out, more or less, in, in, with, with a few couple of punches. Um, I have to say, though, it looked like Hegg thought it was going to be a Scandinavian fight with the gloves on. It almost seems like he slips uh, with one of the hands and therefore gets rid of that uh, glove, whereas Kotkaniemi just dumps it and, and goes for it and, and uh, ends up winning the fight. Uh, I think the the uh, Hegg kept his right glove on the whole time, and it it, it makes it more me for, to to me makes it more of a Scandinavian fight where you don't drop the gloves because then you're gonna get suspended for for a game or two as well. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of ridiculous that Kotkaniemi got an instigator penalty on that one because Hegg was ready to fight as soon as Kotkaniemi came up to him, whether it was with gloves or without gloves. So, uh, but but we must um, really, you know, the the way that this fight happened and everything, it really fired up the Canadians and the bench. It was really fun to see, and uh, Paling uh, went straight to uh, to uh, to the box to uh, just thank Kotkaniemi right after the fight when Kotkaniemi was setting setting out his minutes. It also makes for a great story the fact that Kotkaniemi last year said that he hated Swedes. <laughs> So, so it's it's all of this, you know, the Nordic rivalry. It's it's also standing up for your teammate, and I I think uh, was it Apron again that that said it on on uh, uh, on Twitter that when when Kotkaniemi was going out with his bag and he met Weber and Weber said, "Hey, Killer is coming through." So it it, it it's again building up this chemistry within the team, and I think it's it's very. Applaudable. I'm not a fan of fights, though. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, say that. And but but the way that this happened and the fact that it was Jesper Kotkaniemi that that did it. But for me, it, it's too much of, of a chance for an injury. Not 
only to your hands but also to your head long term and and i think that is what i don't like especially from a 19 year old uh, sophomore in the nhl to 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 go in there because it might hamper his career later on yeah i don't think it's going to be a regular thing but uh, the way it happened last night was just marvelous and you know i i'm not a huge fan of fighting either but this specific fight is something you'll remember for ages indeed and i think maybe it fired up the the fans it fired up the team it fired up everything that was necessary in a way and and after the debacle that was the Chicago Blackhawks game on Wednesday night. I think it was necessary to win and win in style and, and the fight was the, the cherry on top in a way. Yeah, it kind of was. Uh, especially when Philadelphia playing in uh, in Wells Fargo Center is not an easy task to uh, to accomplish, especially not winning there. I, I saw that uh, yesterday's loss was only the fourth regulation time loss that Philadelphia Flyers has had at home this season, which makes it an impressive feature to really accomplish for Montreal. And we have to remember, Arthur Elekonen scored. So that there was a dicey situation there where everyone thought Philadelphia was going to come back. But of course, the roaming Russian, the the um, sniper from Siberia, more or less, stepped up and, and he got Montreal on the board again. Uh, and and actually closed out the game more or less to 4-1 Kovalchik with two goals last night and he had um it brings him up to 0.5 uh point per game percentage again it's incredible from 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 someone you brought in more as an afterthought yeah especially with that contract uh that free agent signing must be Bergevin's best free agent signing that he's done since he was um uh, since, since he's been a GM for Montreal. Because bringing in a guy with that potential on a minimum salary contract, whether it's just for this next month until the tra- trade deadline, it's still perfect. I mean, it's, it's great to see, as we talked about in the last podcast, just having him around with the, the shape he seems to be in as an as a leader for the younger guys it's uh, it's really fun to see and a veteran with something to prove really can be a veteran leader as well and it would be very interesting to see when when uh, gallagher and maria comes back how the team shapes up around this because he has to move some people around but there like there are three guys that that you have to look at during the uh, um, trade deadline right now and it's armia uh, Petrie and obviously Kovalchuk. Yeah, especially Kovalchuk. And it will be interesting to see what kind of calls Bergevin will get for Kovalchuk. Because now, if he keeps up this point uh, streak that he has currently, if he keeps up this level of play, it will be interesting to see what he can actually net uh, as a rental. Yeah, and who knows? You can, if he, if he really likes Montreal as well he might do a uh, placanic and come back after a while and uh, or after the season has finished in order for him to to maybe sign a little bit of a longer contract with montreal it can be a win long term for montreal due to the fact that uh, he can bring in something at the trade deadline and if he comes back to montreal after uh, he, he can benefit the team long term partly with the scoring and he seems to fit into this more speedy kind of, of play rather than the the more static 
kind of play that Los Angeles has right now with a very old team trying to move in some of the youngsters but but also trying to tank a little bit in order to get a good prospect out of this uh, pool that comes in this year and and you you can see from Los Angeles they have Jacob Monverare in in, in Frelunda they have Samuel Fargemo they let him go back into Frelunda uh, uh, Bjorn Foot is down in AHL they got other players that are not at an NHL level even if they could possibly take a spot on that roster because they want to be able to bring in a new guy, uh, hopefully a top pick, uh, into the team directly, and then maybe start building for the future. Yeah, LA is kind of in a limbo situation right now. They have Jerkot as well, uh, Caulfield's teammate in Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I can see retrospectively uh, how Kovalchuk didn't really fit into uh, to the kind of rebuild that they're forced to go through. The way that Montreal plays, it just benefits his abilities. He can play on one of the top lines. He can play heavy power play minutes without having to uh, work very hard defensively because we have a lot of uh, two-way players already, and uh, that's perfect. And I don't think we should underestimate either that this is really the first time that Ilya Kovalchuk plays in a big market a big market community in the NHL. He has played for for small market teams before, and maybe it's just something that actually elevates him now when he's getting older, playing uh, in front of a f- fanatic home crowd and getting the kind of love that he gets from the uh, people of Montreal at the moment. And obviously, uh, I'm not saying anything about LA as a, as a hockey city, but it's not it's not Montreal, who which is like the mecca of hockey. Whereas um, LA is famous for a little bit other things, especially in sports. So th- there is all this that, that uh, will probably benefit him and, and give him that extra motivation. It probably means for him also to come back uh, into a hockey city just like Moscow is and, and be able to, to cherish that a little bit extra. Interestingly, you also said complementary players or two good two-way players. One of them is going towards one of his best season in NHL ever, Arthur Lekonen. Yeah, even points-wise, he's uh, kind of getting up there now. Uh, because Lekonen is an interesting... I mean, he's intriguing as a player because he has a lot of underlying metrics that are fabulous, but you don't really see it if you don't look at those underlying metrics. But us at Habs Eyes on the Prize, we have loved Lekonen, well, really, since he came onto the team, and you've loved him even since he was in Frölunda in Sweden. I think that Habs Eyes on the Prize, they actually loved the pick of Arthur Lekonen. I know Andrew Berkshire really, really liked that pick when it came through, um, the old managing editor. So so it is kind of... He's, He's been on the radar all the time for eyes on the prize. Yeah, but now now he's uh, showing really capacity, and we have a lot of wingers uh, with with Kovalchuk, uh, and when we get Gallier and Drum back from injury, that are just quality NHL wingers, and it will be interesting to see how Julian will match the team once everyone is back. Uh, Byron as well, he's all, also an injury. I kind of forgot about him. Armia, Byron. Yeah, Armia is back now. He was back last night. But still, I mean, it will be interesting to see because I think uh, just as the team is right now, it can actually manage for quite good lines. It it comes down to that. But also, you have to give players the chance to succeed. And if you surround Lekkonen 
uh, as we saw in Frölunda, uh, and we have seen he, before that if you surround players that with the opportunity to succeed, he will succeed or they will succeed. And I think it's very important to remember that it's not you know expect him to score twenty on the third line with 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 players that doesn't suit him very well. But if you get him on a on a on a do, good line that can drive play a little bit, then yeah, he will be able to 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 score a little bit more. And that goal I saw last night was a little bit further out. It's it's not in that area where Gallagher excels. It's a little bit further out. It's the next area, and that suits Lekkonen a lot more. I think everyone has tried to push him into that pigeonhole that is that is uh, Gallagher, but there is only one Gallagher, and 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 Lekkonen will not fit into that. He is his own player, and he's always been a smart player. Frölunda, I, I know I've said it a, a million times. It feels like by this time, used him as a defensive forward the first year he came over, and then he exploded. And then he's always been a playoff performer. Uh, in Frölunda, he he was second in in points the first playoffs he was part of. The second he led the team in the playoffs, uh, and the first year he was over in 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 an in National Hockey League in the playoffs there he was just behind Radulov as Montreal's best pay, um, point getter in, in in that series against Rangers that was a wash anyway but but he's always performed in the playoffs and and he is that player that rises to the occasion yeah and I, I think as well uh, the problem for Arturi Lekkonen has been when Montreal hasn't had a lot of talent on the roster um, and has had to defend more than they have uh, managed to attack, then Arturi Lekkonen, being the intelligent forward that he is, has had to take a bigger role as a defensive forward, just as he did in Froland the first season, as you said. Uh, kind of like the same as Jakob Olofsson has had to do in the SHL, where, you know, if you have a smart player that can basically play, yeah, both like a... a 200 feet game, uh, then maybe you want them in there for above all defensive tasks. But now in this uh, Montreal team, he can hopefully uh, advance more offensively as well. It kind of looks like it right now. Then um, looking back to the Blackhawks game, um, it will be a short podcast. This, but looking back to the pod, uh, to, to the Blackhawks game. Um, we had Charlie Lindgren in goal. Obviously, the first goal is a huge mistake, but it also sets the tone a little bit to to the game, and and you lose a little bit of confidence, both as a goalie, both as a defender, and and everything just starts going against you. And I saw two periods of this game, I think, and and uh, it it was I think it was the worst I've seen Montreal play in a long, long time. And obviously, I haven't caught every game, but but. To me, having winning against Calgary 2-0, great. Uh, coming back, uh, and then you sort of expect them to beat Blackhawks uh, and, and doesn't happen. But then coming back to, to this game against Philadelphia, it, it sets the tone for the weekend. It's really interesting just to see how, how the team kind of goes, well, up and down. Because as, as we've said before, the team never quits. It's an impressive impressive uh, ability to have that they never give up but what we saw against Calgary especially in the first period or the first two periods uh, was probably the best Montreal has played all season and then they have just a complete nosedive against Blackhawks 
And then the night after, they come back uh, with an impressive win against the Flyers. So really, the Blackhawks game was just something to forget as soon as possible because that that game shouldn't have been there. That effort shouldn't have been there. But the question also comes down to the fact that would the Philadelphia game has been as good if they hadn't lost and face to to the Blackhawks a little bit uh, the night before? Maybe uh, we have to remember as well that Flyers had a lot of shots last night. They had 41 shots and Carey Price stopped 40 of them. Um, if we had another goalie, um, it could have been a complete opposite game. So Carey Price playing the way he has done the last week in the three wins against Ottawa, Calgary and Flyers, that is the Carey Price we want to see. And then the defense and the penalty kill and everything just builds from that because you know you have confidence in your goaltender. Yeah, and I, I remember speaking to Christian Foline uh, this summer and he said that you can push a little bit harder because you have Carey Price in net. That was the first thing he learned when he came into the Montreal system. You, you trust Carey Price maybe more than you trust a normal goalkeeper and it changes your whole defensive play. And, and as soon as Montreal gets that good uh, defender uh, to, to shore up the defense, maybe even two of them, then this team is going to be able to play a lot better than it, than they do and maybe play more at the same level, not as much as up and down. Yeah, and you, you, you can't really rely on Carey Price being a monster every night for however many games he plays. Last year it was 60. Um, because, of course, like if you get him no help, if you get 20 quality scoring chances um, a game uh, against him, of course, he will eventually let in a few of them. But no one has been more upset with with uh, the season so far that Carey Price has had than Carey Price himself. He has been very what can you say, like he has not lived up to his own expectations. So that is why it's so uh, it's so nice to see him perform at this level now where he's supposed to be, especially with the contract in mind. This is the level that we kind of have to see from him if Montreal wants to be a playoff contender. Yeah, and coming up on Sunday, it's a rare Saturday night off for Montreal Canadiens, or actually it is a Saturday night game because I'm looking at European time here. Uh, it's away to the Golden Knights on Saturday night. Um, this will be a game, obviously, uh, Suzuki is there, uh, Tatar is there, and on the other side we've got Max Pacioretty. Golden Knights just released Galant as their um, as their coach. Um, there is and there is something to be said about that, but but it's it's an interesting game coming up. Uh, we're facing Capitals later on, and uh, then back home uh, for a game against the Sabers. That could be very interesting. Yeah, exactly. I, I was gonna check here because uh, Vegas played last night. I know that, and uh, they managed to. Uh, did they beat Ottawa in the end? Yeah, they did. So that was the first win under the new coach, Peter DeBoer. Uh, they were on a six-game losing streak before that. So I don't know if it's going to make them more fired up if they think that they are on the right track now um, or if Montreal um, Montreal is the team that's more fired up after three wins in, in four games. But two teams who have had losing streaks recently, uh, it will be interesting to see how they match up. 
Yeah, and everyone says that it's always difficult to come into to the night arena. Uh, it's a it's a lightning show. It's a uh, uh, it's a crowd that has gone fanatic about their team, their first uh, pro sports team in in, in the city. Um, and obviously, you have to travel and and all the other things that goes with Vegas. So. Um, it would be good for Montreal to focus on the game, which I'm sure they will try to and everyone tries to. But Vegas has a little bit of a reputation when it comes to uh, other teams failing there. So let's see what, what can happen uh, coming up on Saturday night at 7pm. Uh, hopefully this will be another step uh, forward. And, and Montreal is really in that limbo at the moment where you are not sure if they can make the playoffs. It's looking un very unlikely, but there is still a chance. And, and as you said a lot of times, Anton, this team never quits. They will not quit until it's mathematically ensured that they won't make the playoffs. And I think that's uh, important to to notice also in, in all of these, because I, I understand that many fans want this team to tank for Lafreniere, especially getting a homegrown player first overall, that would be incredible, of course. Uh, but you also kind of, like, if you start tanking actively, then you also start having a losing culture in the locker room. And I don't think that is something that we want to have, especially with all of these prospects coming up. We want to be able to lead by example. We want a team that, you know, plays the way they do now, where they never quit, even if they're on a losing streak, um, extensive losing streak with several games. They only lost with one goal in seven of those eight games. So I think this is the right way to do it. Montreal has prospects coming up already. It would be incredible if, if we didn't get into the draft, um, uh, the playoff. It would be incredible to win the lottery. But even if you end up in last place, there's only 20% chance. So why actively tank? Yeah, and it, it was a very interesting discussion in one of the fan posts uh, this week on uh, Eyes on the Price. And it pointed out that uh, there was not many top five draft picks that were uh, on the teams uh, winning the Stanley Cup. No, because the old top five draft picks were busy winning them. Uh, Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, Crosby, Malkin, Kane, Taos. Uh, I think Ella Kings had, had one, even if the post uh, didn't mention it. Uh, yeah, and even if it wasn't top five, he's top ten. When, when we look at this pick, you, you want maybe Kovalchuk around because he's one of those old guys winning winning the 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 Stanley Cup with with his uh, with another team that drafted him. So it's so it's interesting to see, but obviously, uh, in some ways, we're looking forward to 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 next season already because uh, I personally don't think that Montreal will challenge in in the if they reach the playoffs, but you should never say never. Uh, there are small bounces happening. And, and uh, a couple of years ago, we were sitting there and uh, I still hate Kreider for, for going into Carey Price the way he did. And and maybe somewhere in my mind, I think that Montreal could have turned that series around and, and won against New York and, and then faced LA in, in an epic final. But it didn't happen. It's small bounces, it's small things like injury to certain players that will get you through the playoffs and and uh, but but in a way you are we, we are all looking forward to next year and and what Mark Benjamin will happen and will, will be able to do in the offseason yeah uh, I thought that 
coming into this season as well, that this season is is just another step on the right track. And I feel like this team is on the right track. It's just I understand that people want success now. We have been expecting we have been waiting for it for a long time. Montreal is not supposed to wait almost 30 years for a Stanley Cup. They are not supposed to be out of the playoffs three out of four years. It could be uh, worse. We could be the Maple Leafs. We could be the Maple Leafs, exactly. And that is important to know. Maple Leafs got Austin Matthews first overall. They got Mitch Marner fourth overall. They got Morgan Riley fifth overall. And they are still not considerably better than Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so when you're thinking about this actively tanking and everything, it doesn't automatically, just because you have game changers in your team, it doesn't create a winning culture. It doesn't create a team that automatically will uh, challenge far in the playoffs. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. It's a Fast and Furious Friday. Not as fast as furious as Scott Kaniemi was yesterday when Paling was on the ice. And he jumped Robert Hegg and won the Nordic title for boxing on ice. We're looking forward to see Montreal play some hockey. Thank you, Anton. Thank you.